Hello, and welcome to the Pacific Center Podcast. My name is Dr. Greg Lane, and I will be your host as we explore many interesting topics with many amazing people from a variety of professional backgrounds over the months and years ahead. The focus of this podcast will be the intersection of the traditional healthcare practices of various cultures and the modern scientific research on peak physical and cognitive performance. The show will be delivered in an interview format. Our guest today is Joni Anderson. Joni grew up homeschooled in a large family in South Lake Tahoe. Her classroom was the mountains. Joni and her sisters naturally became competitive snowboarders. Joni was 11 when she won her first national championship and continued to win nationals for many years following. When she was 16, Joni was invited to join the U.S. national junior team. She won her first junior world title in New Zealand in 2002 and the following year in Germany. At 17, she competed in her first X Games, competing in both border cross and half pipe. Joni competed in X Games for eight consecutive years, winning a silver medal in 2006, gold in 2007, and bronze in 2010 in border cross. At the 2009 Olympic test event in Vancouver, she dislocated her hip during a time trial run. That event began her phasing out of competitive snowboarding. Now Joni is a sole rider, a cheerleader for her sister, who has three Olympic medals, and also a current student of Chinese medicine at Pacific College of Oriental Medicine in San Diego. One disclaimer here, while we might be discussing some medical issues and treatments today, we will in no way be providing medical advice, as always, for any health-related issues and conditions. You should seek appropriate medical care and advice from a healthcare professional. Joni, it's great to have you here today. After all the excitement of the Winter Games and coming back from uh, South Korea, getting back into school, it's got to be a bit of a surreal experience for you. We just want to welcome you here. So, hello, and uh, give us a little bit more of a background about yourself. Well, first off, thank you so much. I'm happy to be here today. And yes, it has been a little bit of a whirlwind Um my entire family and I got to go to South Korea to cheer on my sister um, to defend her gold medal from Sochi four years ago, and it was successful. She got another gold medal. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> yeah. With flying colors, literally. Yep. Um, now I'm back, back to school, last term, a little bit of a whirlwind, kind of surreal for sure, but kind of settling and yeah, getting back. Decompressing a bit. Yeah, Absolutely. So you grew up in South Lake Tahoe. What, how old were you when you, you were when you started snowboarding? Um, I was 11 when I started snowboarding. I okay. remember because I was going into the sixth grade uh-huh. and I was homeschooled. And so um, a lot of my friends were starting sixth grade middle school and I started snowboarding instead. So it was just like here in Southern California, we grew up like skateboarding and, and surfing and riding BMX bikes. You grew up in the mountains, obviously. The exactly. hills were your... Or your school. Yep, you need that outlet. Yeah. So, what what, what year was it actually when you were when you were first coming up snowboarding? So it was 1997. Okay. Snowboarders were still a bit of the punks on the mountain. Yeah. Um, it was getting a little bit better from that kind of stigma, but okay. it was still there a little bit. Uh huh. Yeah, it sort of mirrors the, sur- the development of surfing. You know, we were kind of beach bums back in the you know, mm-hmm. 60s, 70s, and 80s, and then it, all of a sudden you got the pros coming, and and now look at now look at your crew. I know. What what sort of developments in the sport have you witnessed that maybe have been like sort of the most profound or? 
quite a bit. It's pretty astonishing to look even at like pictures and videos from when my sisters were beginning and myself were beginning competing to now, like not only the size in the half pipe, for example, you know, when we began, I think the walls were maybe like 10 feet, 12 feet, like creeping up to 15 feet. And now um, the half pipe at the Olympics, I believe is like 25 feet, give or take. I'm not sure exactly, but it's so built up and so pristine and perfect. And the same thing um, with the other events like slope style, which Jamie competes in and border cross, which I competed in just the progression of the courses they put together and the sizes of the features and just constantly like raising the bar to the next level and pushing the pushing the human body. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what I want to sort of where I'm getting at here is like with the development of the sport and, um, you know, the development of the training methods. And so sort of, I want to, I want to probe you a little bit more on, on that stuff. Yeah. Um, so, so you said you did the, the border cross, right? So what, what exactly is the border cross? Border cross is a pretty exciting event. It is no longer an X games event, but when it was, it was one of the highest watch ones because it's six athletes at a time, pulling out from a gate and racing down a course. And the course, it's always different. There's rollers and there's berms and there's jumps and there's just all kinds of features. So it's just a course of variation. Exhilarating. And basically the first person down wins and there's oftentimes carnage and yeah. as like much work and training and skill that goes into it at times, it's kind of just luck of the draw. Like, if you don't fall that day or don't get taken out or, you know, if you happen to get the whole shot and, you know, lead the group and don't get past, then like you're the winner that day. So there's a lot of variance. Are you close? Like, is it just, are the gates close? Um, it depends. It's kind of different course by course, but they can be. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you're actually like rubbing elbows with Mm -hmm. your Yeah. Some are even like narrower than others. And so it's really tight or, you know, everyone will kind of be side by side and you're going into like a narrow turn and yeah. it's like, someone's got to speed up. Someone's got to pull back. Mm-hmm. Like no one wants to driving. do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, gets, it can get ugly. Wow. I wonder why they, how, how come you think they pulled that from competition? Um, I don't know. I think issues with financing and kind of just it getting crowded on the mountain. I kind of think that big air might've um, pinched it out because um, where they have big air now used to be where the course was. So I think they had to choose one or the other. So for whatever reason, border cross got cut. And they, do they, they still do like uh one, one against one downhill race, don't they? Yeah. Um, What's that event parallel called? Parallel giant slalom. Parallel giant slalom. Yeah. And also parallel slalom. And I think there's slalom. the two events which are in the Olympics, but what the U S of- doesn't have any athletes or oh. they don't support any athletes at the Olympics. we, we are stronger on the border cross mm-hmm. and um, freestyle sides. Oh, okay. Okay. The slope style. And slope style and half pipe and also border cross. And border cross too. Mm-hmm. What sort of speeds do you get going down the mountain? Um, that's a good question. Different courses have different, you know, pitches, of course, and you like building speed can kind of depend. As far as a number goes, I would say if I had to guess... I don't know if I could even guess. I'm a bad estimate. Maybe, maybe 60, 70 miles an hour or something like that. That might be pushing fast. it a little bit, but Two. probably not far off. Okay. Yeah. I know some of the some of the uh, the downhill skiers, they get 
going like around 70. I know that is scary to watch. Yeah. They're incredible. How do you, how do you practice some of these incredible errors that we see like double you, you did like when you won gold, right? You went with double a cab, double cork 900. When did, Jamie did won the Olympics, that was one of her tricks. Okay. Yes. And that is kind of the progression of snowboarding. You know, every year the tricks get bigger and better and more complicated and scary. And so just training all the time and being with other athletes who push each other and really like you have all winter to train because you're going event to event to event. And a few days prior to each event, you have you you have the ability to train on that course. And then typically like the U.S. team and whatnot will have training camps every year. Okay. Like in Mammoth, for example, in the spring when I was on the U.S. team, we would go and train there for, you know, at least a week, maybe two weeks and have like drills and things like that. And then early season, we would often go to the other side of the equator, either South America or New Zealand and kind of start the training there. So you'd have year round training? Pretty much. You do get like the summer off, but it's a short period mm -hmm. because the training in Mammoth would probably be in May or in June. Mm -hmm. And then you would go to the Southern Hemisphere in like August. So mm -hmm. Jamie currently, like her summer break is probably six weeks. Mm -hmm. So it's short. And then she'll be back at it. Yep. So yeah, I was, I was talking to our producer, Todd, about, about this and, you know, coming from a dance background, you know, and performance for years, I, you know, I recognize the difficulty it is in keeping your body in, in, you know, in performance mode and in that peak physical performance, you know, six weeks off is not that much for the body to recuperate, especially if you have, if you have an injury, well, that, that ups the equation a bit, but how do you, when you're training for events and then in recovery, what does that, what does that look like? What sort of things do you do? Well, it kind of depends on the time of year. During the season, you're basically just maintaining health. You know, you're, you are working out, but not so hard because you're in competition and your body's constantly like put to the limit. And then you kind of have to recoup between contests and you're traveling and your body kind of just gets put through the ringer. So like year round, I, I'm always doing yoga. Mm -hmm. Like I keep that practice no okay. matter what, you know, mind and body. It's so good. Yeah. And then in the off season, like my go-to exercise is running. I love uh, to run. Uh -huh. And then prior to the start of the season, Jamie and I would um, both work with a trainer up in Tahoe, an okay. amazing trainer there, mm -hmm. just to kind of like prepare and get really strong for the season. And uh -huh. We would typically work out with him by ourselves. He didn't like to train us together. Oh, right. Um, and then also just being in Tahoe, a lot of our training wouldn't necessarily look like training. It was just fun. We go mountain biking in the summertime and we're hiking a lot. And, you know, if we're not snowboarding in a contest, we're still snowboarding for fun. So just mm -hmm. being active and constantly moving our bodies. Mm -hmm. How much of uh, nature versus nurture do you think? Uh, comes into play with with you and and uh, your sister. Um, I I would say it's good balance of both because we grew up, you know, homeschooled and just being outside all the time. My parents were really advocates of exploring where we lived and being together and being on the mountain. And we would just you know we had the ability to take the bus up to the mountain in the morning and be there all day and come home. 
And then also my, both my parents have athletic backgrounds. So mm-hmm. then you have like the nature aspect. Yeah. So kind of good. together, the yin and yang, you yeah, know? Totally. Mm-hmm. Good genes and good training. Yeah. Good, good mental perspective. Uh-huh. What was it? Were you, uh, growing up, were, were you and your sister competitive or how did that go? You guys are close in age, right? A few years. Yeah. All of my sisters and I are very competitive. With each other. With each other. Okay. And with ourselves even. When we started, I was 11. My next sister, Stacy, she was nine. So we started on the snowboard team and Jamie didn't join until two years later when she was also nine. Okay. You know, with there being eight of us, my mom kind of had this standing rule that we had to wait until we were 10 to have a out of the home sport. Okay. Just, I think for her own sanity of like shuttling kids around, you know? Um, so I was 11, Stacy was nine and, you know, kind of bent the rule there. And then same with Jamie, Uh Jamie was like eager to come join us and she quickly, um, caught up to us and all three of us would ride together and really push each other. Mm in all aspects of snowboarding because there's different events. And when we were young, we competed in all five events at the time. Wow. All, everybody together competing in all the same events? Yeah. Our snowboard team was very well-rounded. We had a coach who had a um, background of skiing, and so he was very strong in racing. Uh-huh. And he believed that to have a good foundation and be well-rounded in snowboarding, we would do all the events. So we did slalom and giant slalom, as well as border cross and half pipe and slope style. And that really did create a solid foundation for mm-hmm. us to be well-rounded snowboarders. Mm-hmm. And then over time, we would evolve into the event that called to us the most or that we enjoyed the most or kind of excelled at. And yeah. and that's when I went the more border cross route and Jamie went slope style. Uh-huh. So even though we were competitive with one another, we ended up doing different events. And then it became more about just supporting each other and like holding each other up and encouraging yeah. each other. Yeah. Championing each other. That's awesome. Yeah. Dinnertime conversations must have been pretty interesting around some of those competitions in the earlier days, huh? Uh-huh, yeah. Maybe food fights? No? Um, no, my mom would not tolerate such a thing. But <laughs> she, she was very sure. much in favor of having dinner together every night, nice. 6 o'clock, with the whole family, and anyone else was welcome. And it was kind of a ritual thing. Yeah. Family time was important. Sounds like mom was your first coach. Absolutely. The first and still like the main one for all of us. Yeah. Yeah. She's kind of our rock. Yeah. What sort of qualities does she have that, that, I mean, aside from being mom, what, what would you say, uh, you know, looking at mom as a coach, what, what sort of qualities does she possess that really sort of helped you guys excel? My mom is just probably the strongest person I know. I mean, she had eight children. She took it upon herself to keep us all home because she felt that she could do a better job than a teacher in a classroom with 20 or 30 kids. And my dad worked as a firefighter. So oftentimes when he was on a shift, he was gone, you know, one or two or multiple days at a time, depending on if he was away on a fire. And she really just kind of did it all. And she's always had a very like spiritual background. Mm. And so she has always really preached to us the importance of having some type of um, belief system, you know, Mm -hmm. whether it be like religion or spirituality Mm -hmm. or whatever, but like something else beyond yourself that you can kind of rely on and Mm a bit of a higher calling. Yeah. Nice. She was elated. I mean, look, looking at how elated, well, all of you were on the 
when watching on the on the, tele, <laughs> on the telly when your sister won gold this last time around. It was pretty pretty amazing. It was a special moment. Totally. Yeah. Um. So I, when you, I, I want to ask you about when you're actually preparing for an event. Um, or maybe you want to talk about how your sister and you, how do you prepare your mind? Um, you know, you've got all this training, you, you know, we've heard about you doing yoga and, and running and just being in the environment and doing the, you know, rep repetitive runs and things like that. But how do you, how do you prepare your mind for an actual event? Well, that type of preparedness comes from like year round practice, you know, doing yoga and showing up on your mat and getting into that meditation and that groundedness and balance that it can offer mm -hmm. and just practicing that all the time. Because when a competition comes up, no matter how much practice you have and how good you're feeling physically, mm -hmm. it is such a mental game. Mm -hmm. And no matter like how many years you do it, it's still stressful and you get nervous and you know, like your body responds by shaking or your heart rate goes up mm -hmm. or so really just finding practices to stay grounded, to stay focused, um, for me, that would mean kind of keeping to myself before a contest. Okay. I would oftentimes ride the chair alone and just have like quiet mm -hmm. breathing because it's kind of the same as being here at PCOM in class before an exam. Everyone's sure. like flustered and the energy and the classroom can be a little chaotic. So I'll remove myself from that also and just mm -hmm. be by myself and focus on breathing and staying centered because that is really the only way that you can perform at your best mm -hmm. and and being in the mountains it was easy enough to do you know you're at the top of the course and there's trees everywhere and ground and yeah it's beautiful yeah plenty Serene. of escape yeah jamie she she does the same thing i i think she'll escape to an area kind of she tries to be in the trees a lot and using essential oils you know mm, okay. like tree trees fragrance tree based yeah because they're very grounding and calming nice do you actually um, visualize the course? I know some athletes are, you know, not even just athletes, but people preparing for whatever business meetings will, will visualize. Do you, do you do that too? Absolutely. I'm a big proponent, proponent of visualization. I learned it early on. I don't know if, I think it was from my initial coach, actually, Brady. Mm -hmm. He taught us to visualize because you go through a course, any particular course, so many times in training and you can pretty much do it by muscle memory. So, you know, the time when practice ends and the contest begins is like a good amount of time to just like get flustered and get up in your head. So to close your eyes and go through the course, you know, that, that gives you a few more practice runs really, mm -hmm. because so much of it is mental. Absolutely. Um, do you, do you use any special herbs or did you use any, I mean, before acupuncture, obviously you're using herbs now because you're studying Chinese medicine, but before your studies of Chinese medicine, were you using any supplementation or any of your athletic trainers uh, guiding you towards any sort of supplementation on a regular basis? Or Honestly, not so much. When I was competing back in like when I was early 20s and in my teenage years, not really, but now like Jamie, for example, she uses Chinese herbs mm -hmm. all the time. She works with a practitioner based out of L.A. Okay. And so she 
is really strong with that and also like keeping up with treatments, whether it's a kinesiologist mm-hmm. or, you know, we would have chiropractic care here and there when we were younger or just like massage or acupuncture okay. because it is really important in order to like stay balanced and promote like longevity and especially post injury or just being sore from training. Yeah, like it's recovery, so right? necessary. So she gets, she gets regular acupuncture treatments. She does. Nice. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so no, no real special diets per se. Do you, you pretty much eat whatever you want or you, do you do like intermittent fasts or, you know, some of the things that we're seeing now, um, in terms of special diet regimens? Well, my mom, she raised us quite holistically and mostly plant-based to be honest. Mm -hmm. And so most of my siblings and I still practice that for the most part okay um we don't eat a ton of meat you know here and there Mm -hmm. um there definitely is a benefit to it Mm -hmm. but kind of low dairy as little processed foods as possible and Mm -hmm. sugar Mm -hmm. but kind of just well-rounded so that's kind of like the whole 30 diet in a way right yeah sort of i mean that i don't know too much about if you were to like label it yeah okay and um so what role has, uh, has acupuncture played in, in your, in your life right now? I mean, you've sort of, you're switching gears. You're on the other side of, of, um, performance anyway. And, uh, you still, you still get out there a lot and snowboard for pleasure, but, uh, I do. Oh my gosh. Acupuncture. I wish I was exposed to it when I was an athlete. I could have used it so many instances for mm. my body and for my shen, like, Oh, that would probably be the biggest thing, you know, getting treated for like the stress and mental demands of traveling and competing and sponsorships and contract negotiations and scheduling. And there's so much room for acupuncture. I I wish I could have employed it back then. Mm -hmm. But now that I'm not competing in snowboarding anymore and I'm going to be, you know, an acupuncturist pretty soon, I definitely see a space where that can be applied and working with athletes, you know, maybe mm-hmm. even Jamie and kind of putting both worlds together. Do you see yourself um, treating her like, how long is she going to keep competing? Do you know? Uh, it's hard to say. She had an interview the other day. Yeah. Ellen DeGeneres asked her if she was going to go for the Beijing Olympics in four years. And her response was if she's still feeling as good and enjoying it as much as she is now, she'll go for it. That's amazing. So I would say right now she's excited, but yeah. who knows? Four, four years, four is, years a is a time. long time. It's it is. It's a long time to stay in, in that peak. Right? Yeah. And she she's 27, so she's still young, but compared with a lot of the athletes um, up and coming, mm. she's one of the more mature ones. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, it's a young person sport. It really is. Yeah. That's why watching Sean White was uh, kind of amazing, right? I know. Yeah, he's my age. and He's like the grandfather out there. Yeah, that was pretty amazing. Yeah. Very emotional reaction. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're going to be licensed here relatively soon. And uh, what what do you think you're going to do with, with yourself? Where are you going to set up shop, for one? And do and you see yourself being a sports medicine practitioner and... Well, it's yet to be determined where I'm going to set up shop. I'm going to get nationally licensed as well as take the California exam. And my fiance, he's a physical therapist. So we've kind of played around with the idea of using um, kind of my background in snowboarding and my relationship with the U.S. team 
because they currently don't have an acupuncturist on staff, Mm -hmm. like a lot of Olympic teams do indeed. Mm -hmm. And they do have physical therapists, but not for each team. Mm -hmm. Some are kind of missing that. So Mm -hmm. we could potentially create a good, you know, PT Mm -hmm. acupuncture team to possibly work with the U.S. team and traveling and at events and such. Mm -hmm. That seems like a good fit for you. Yeah, I think so. I I think... um, I think we could go along in that direction. I would, I would love to work with athletes, especially in competition and, you know, offer what I didn't have when I was competing at the time. Yeah. That would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Be really beneficial for them. Yeah. And then I'll, I would probably not do that forever. I would love to long-term or like down the road, set up a practice. Uh, mm-hmm. We want to set up a practice together actually in mm-hmm. treating a, a wide range of things, mm-hmm. ortho being one, but also, I mean, acupuncture. So far reaching. I don't really want to limit myself. Yeah. Do you ever see yourself coaching? Like being a coach for younger athletes or? I've coached a little bit in the past. I've helped um, my home mountain Sierra at Tahoe with women's workshops and such coaching women there. And I, I considered before I started acupuncture school, I was talking to my coach about assisting him Mm -hmm. as a coach on the competitive team up at Sierra for the kids because there's not a lot of female coaches, Mm -hmm. which is interesting because there's so many female riders now, you know, it's Mm -hmm. probably almost half and half, Mm -hmm. but I honestly haven't thought about that since I started school. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Maybe in a, maybe in a different, uh, different phase. Yeah. I'm not opposed to it. Yeah. It sounds interesting to be, um, uh, part of the U S team, you know, help them excel, improve, uh, recovery times and, yeah, that would be great. Yeah, and they're based out of Park City, Utah, so it wouldn't be a bad place to live. You know, there's so many mountains around yeah, there. It's a nice place. Yeah. So w- when are you graduating? I'm graduating in April. Yay. Next month. Next month. And then, Yay. so you you did you take your nationals yet or not? I've taken three of them. I have one left. Okay. When you, and then Kale, California licensing exams coming up when for you? That'll be October 30th. October 30th. That's so awesome. A lot of time to study. That's great. Well, Joni, we wish you all the best with your future uh, career as an acupuncturist and the goals that you set forth. It sounds fantastic. And we really appreciate you coming in today and, and sharing your expertise with uh, the snowboarding experience that you've had and, and your family's had. And, and um, we really appreciate it. Of course. So, thank you so much. And thank you for having me. Yeah. All See right. See you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye.